presented by the Evangelism Department of the North American Mission Board. This is Your Church on Mission Evangelism Podcast, the podcast to help pastors be on mission in their local community. Here's your host, Joel Sutherland. Welcome to Your Church on Mission. I'm your host, Joel Sutherland, and I'm here with my co-host today, Scott Smith. We're doing something a little different here in a little series where we're actually talking to pastors and letting them share with us their successes and their challenges. And Scott, we've got a pastor on today who's got some good words of advice about reaching people uh, in your church. Yeah, absolutely. I, th- I think one of the great things uh, that we're trying to do with these is not just say, hey, how can we help you fix your evangelism? But we're asking, what is working for you? These are churches that are baptizing some. Uh, and and so we're, we're getting some good takeaways there. One of the things you'll hear Robbie bring out is that, uh, you know, what he's doing to help churches that are already in church win their own families, which is mm-hmm. Actually, unfortunately, sometimes sort of a forgotten mission field because we are so focused on the other side of the walls. So he does a very good job at that. But that also uh, creates some other challenges, which we address. Yeah. So uh, Robbie's going to be a guy who's reaching some people, wants to reach more. And we talked to him about how to do that. So uh, here we go. We have on the call with us today, Pastor Robbie Brown. Robbie, welcome to your church on mission. I I enjoy the opportunity to speak with you today, Joel. Hey, why don't you uh, get us started by telling us a little bit about your church and ministry? Well, I've uh, been pastoring Trinity Baptist Church in Danielsville, Georgia, for the past uh, 17 years. And uh, Trinity's my uh, home church. I came back to pastor here in the year 2000 and we're a, a rural area just north of Athens, about 15 miles. Robbie, how, by, by how many are you seeing in worship there on Sunday? Uh, we're averaging um, right at about 300 in worship on Sundays now. Okay. And, um, and, 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 and how many would you say you're having in, in small group, give or take? Um, right around 200 in small groups, Uh at different times of the week. So outside Sunday morning, what 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 other meetings are you having through the week? We have a uh, men's and ladies uh, small group uh, that meet on Wednesday nights, and then I, I meet with a group of men on Friday morning for mentoring. Yeah. So, Robbie, let's talk um, evangelism for just a minute. Do you, about how many do you think you baptized last year? How many do you th- do you think maybe you're on track? to baptize this year? Uh, we baptized about 20 last year. We've been um, uh, averaging 20 to 25 a year for the past uh, few years, and we're on track to uh, probably surpass that goal. We're a little ahead of the pace this year. We've baptized um, 18 already so far this year. Oh, nice. so doing a little bit better this year. Nice, nice. So, uh, for other guys listening in who are kind of in your context, running that you know two fifty to three hundred, two hundred ish Sunday school, uh, small group. Tell us what what are you doing that's working? Where do you see the majority of your decisions and baptisms uh, come from? I think that um, of course churches, after a pastor has been in a location for a long time, take on their personality a bit. Mm-hmm. And I've got a real heart for the home and um, equipping the home to reach the next generation, to reach their kids, to reach their grandkids uh, has been, 
you know, the most fruitful area for us when it comes to evangelism is that we're we're connecting with that next generation and we're seeing uh, older children, teenagers uh, being saved and baptized. So that's been that's been working big time for us. And uh, we we also have some revivals from time to time and and uh, see people say saved during those revivals. That's always exciting. Mm-hmm. Uh, but. But I would say probably the majority, overwhelming majority of our baptisms and, um, and church growth has been by focusing on equipping the home. Nice. Now, is there something specific you're doing to help uh, parents and, and grandparents reach the next generation? Or is it just a general uh, push you're making uh, with the church? A lot of it comes through uh, the just being very intentional and in, in the preaching and in small group ministry. And uh, I mentioned some of the uh, I, I meet with a group of men uh, both on Wednesday night and Friday mornings at six o'clock to mentor men on how to um, be husbands and be fathers, but also be intentionally evangelistic uh, in reaching their their kids, their grandkids, the the next generation. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned doing revivals. Uh, is that something you do every year? Is a couple times a year, or is it something you just kind of do occasionally? We typically do uh, an evangelistic revival every other year, and uh, in between that, we may do kind of a revival or event that is more like um, I would say more discipleship type oriented. It might be uh, in the area of um, uh, finances or marriage and family, things like that. So, hmm. but every other year it's, uh, intentionally, uh, an evangelistic revival. Yeah. So, um, you know, that's something that Scott, uh, you know, a lot of pastors can do. I mean, there's some churches that can do revival more logistically. You get kind of the area where I live in, in the Metro Atlanta area, logistically, you can't get home in time to attend one. But when you get outside that, we still see a lot of churches that bring in an evangelist and do what Robbie's doing and reach people with the gospel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That it definitely still works. Uh, don't assume it doesn't. At least I would say to most guys in in Robbie's type of context, don't assume it doesn't work uh, because a lot of the guys are seeing a lot of effectiveness and fruitfulness from it. At a minimum, uh, even a Harvest Sunday, uh, Robbie. I don't know if you do many of those, but just where you really focus and emphasize one day a Sunday specifically uh, and then you know have an evangelistic preacher someone who's gifted to draw the net right we, we have done what we would call one day revivals but let me say this about the the revivals and their effectiveness is that a lot of times the um, the fruit of the revival is not just those who are saved during the week of the revival but the passion that's ignited within our people mm. To want to reach people with the gospel, so it's the, they're seeing people saved that week, and they may be uh, baptized at other churches even because in a rural area like this, as you mentioned, people can drive from um, great distances, and other churches do get involved, and you do see a lot of people saved, and and so they may be baptized in other churches, but what it does is it fires up that spiritual morale among our people and causes them. Um, and we've had Scott in revival here um, last year. Uh, two years before that, we had John Reed, and both of those situations um, went a long ways not in helping us just reach people that week, but in equipping our people and stirring up their hearts for reaching the lost in their own homes and neighborhoods. Yeah, great. 
Great. Number one, the thing to do or to know when you pick someone to speak at your harvest day or revival and you want it to be evangelistic is get a speaker as a track record of people coming to Christ when they, when they, when they do speak. And so you're doing that, man. Great, great job. Let, let, let's transition a little bit and talk about challenges and frustrations. And if every pastor has a challenge and frustration, I, I don't know any pastor who says, well, we've nailed that evangelism thing. We're done. Let's move on to something else. Um, if Jesus called us to do this as our primary task, and I think he did, um, you know, we're trying to keep it uh, first and foremost in our members' mind. So, Robbie, just at your church, what are what is a big challenge or frustration in taking the next step in evangelism uh, for Trinity? Uh, I think, you know, one of those challenges is assimilation, uh, follow-up on, on evangelism, making sure that the— uh, the back door is closed while the front door is wide open, and uh, trying to get people plugged. It seems like this, um, especially we're reaching a good number of millennials, or at least we have uh, a good number in attendance, but getting them to want to plug into small groups, getting the crowd, the, those young parents, to want to to be a part of a, uh, a church community and uh, become like family, It's that that's been difficult for us i think the follow-up the assimilation process yeah oh yeah and i think a lot of churches um deal with that same frustration on how do we take these guys Here, here's what we know is the about the best i can find there's no way to keep this stat uh that I, most churches don't even keep it but when i ask churches about 40 percent of the people they see come to faith in christ actually follow through on baptism so really in in some churches context that's a high number and so really what that lets us know is we've kind of got a conversion rate there uh, because they're not going to assimilate if they don't get baptized. Um, right. And so that number, there's probably not a lot we're going to do to affect that number because you mentioned earlier, they may go to another church and get baptized. They they may move out of town, you, you know, all sorts of reasons there. So I think the key is – uh, the more people you have to come to faith in Christ, the more people you're going to wind up at the end of the pipeline to have who actually can assimilate because you're probably never going to move that number up to 75 or 80% of the people we see come to faith in Christ. At least I've not found a church that that's, right. that, that's the uh, situation. I, I think, I think assuming baptism though uh, is a good, is a good idea with new converts. It's like not, you know, do you want to be baptized or, would you like to be baptized? But let's talk about when you're going to be baptized, um, assuming the close, <laughs> sort, yeah. sort of, right. in a way. And then, of course, turning that into an evangelistic event in and of itself, uh, you know, making sure that when they're baptized, that their family knows about it, they can come, give them some time to invite other people to their baptism. Um, you know, let them know that now that they're saved, you know, a celebration is about to take place. And um, and frame it that way and move people in because I think, like Joel said, get them getting them baptized is going to increase your assimilation rate just by default. I think once people have been baptized, they do innately feel uh, more, for lack of a better phrase, into their walk with God, into their new experience of salvation, into the body of the the church, and you know ultimately more accountable and I, and that's why some people avoid baptism is to avoid the accountability of actually follow through in their new in their new walk with Christ and of course there are a lot of questions of did they legitimately get saved and all that I understand 
One thing we've done is establish, I don't know if you're familiar with Brian Haynes and the um, stepping stones sort of thing with um, bringing about a form of celebration to the major event, life events, um, kind of a discipleship strategy for young people all the way, you know, from cradle to graduation. And um, we, we've made baptism a big family type celebration. Uh, we, we've kind of, I borrowed from Brian's stepping stones, we call it seven summits, but one of the summits has to do with presentation and where kids are really ready to hear the gospel. We make sure that uh, when they're reaching that age of accountability, uh, those grade school years up through uh, fifth or sixth grade, that everything that we're doing is just rich in presenting the gospel to that, that age group. And so when they come to that place where they put their faith and trust in Christ, that we really want to make it a celebration time for the family. And so we've just recently begun to emphasize that even more. So like you said, the um, the baptism event becomes an evangelistic event in and of itself. So Yeah, yeah. and we that's what we see among top evangelistic churches is they make the baptism a celebration and they make it an evangelistic event, man, just like just like you said. Uh, in in terms of other other challenges if in terms of just casting the net around your county uh what what are some other you know what are some other initiatives you may be thinking about starting or 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 some other challenges to those initiatives or you know w- and when you think about getting a broader net out for the gospel and uh mobilizing your people to reach more or your church as a whole to reach more what what are some other challenges that come to mind um, well, one thing that has actually worked for us a little bit is we um, went and, and began to do a community outreach. We go to the park in Danielsville, and uh, we call it a family fun festival. We don't advertise that it's Trinity putting it on. They don't really find that out until they get there, but we, we do this family fun festival. To, uh, we offer, you know, everything from bouncy houses for kids to for, we cook them we grill out um hot dogs and give them a free lunch that day and anyone in the community we try to pick a day where there's a lot of traffic because of wreck ball and things like that but um it's just a fun day in the park where we all you know free snow cones uh cotton candy that sort of thing a carnival environment and it's all free bring your family have a good time because we've noticed that the people in the community think that every time they see the church in public we're asking for money, doing a fundraiser, and that sort of thing. So I've asked our church not to target the loss to raise funds, <laughs> but to, when we're among lost people, be giving and blessing and look for opportunities to share the gospel in that context. And so that's that's kind of worked for us. Um, if there's a challenge, it's uh, it's we are in a rural area. The population of Danielsville is a, a about five or six hundred, and the membership of our church is about the same. And so it's sometimes it seems a little difficult in a rural area to say, okay, we've reached a certain point in our church growth. How do we think regionally? Because while the city population is small, the county itself still has 30,000 people, and 20,000 of those are lost at least. Mm-hmm. So. That's been kind of a challenge. Yeah, I think one of the things that a lot of pastors struggle with when they when they talk about vision, and that's one of the things we 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 emphasize over and over, 
that the pastor has to lead out with evangelistic vision for his church is it's not about filling your building. In your case, it's about reaching a county uh, with the gospel. And so to, to, to build that into the DNA of the church that we're not finished if our building gets full, and it's not just about starting multiple services even, which that's great, and nothing wrong with that. But how can we reach around the county and keep that focus on not who's here, but on who's not here? Uh, because your county runs 20,000 and you're running 300, you know, good for you, but there's still a whole lot of work to be done in one county. And you probably reach multiple counties or within driving distance of multiple counties as well. Another way to reemphasize that vision is something that Joel, actually, I saw you do recently uh, where you map out, you take the addresses of your church members and you can, you can actually create a map. Uh, I, Joel, you can speak to yeah. the how of how to do yeah. this, but to look on a map a lot of times and see the dots of where your church is regionally located mm-hmm. uh, begins to show, I think, that obviously Danielsville is not your market. It's Madison County and different parts of Madison County more than others. And so you can visually show them, this is our church. This is where we live. This is the community we're trying mm-hmm. to reach. And it's much broader than a lot of people think because they think about that church in Danielsville, even though it's their church. So visually maybe mapping that out, uh, showing on a graph the numbers, um, you know, giving them some some visuals around that reality of what their mission field is and how small, basically a drop in the bucket they are right now because they have seen great growth and they are one of the larger churches in the area. So there's some self-satisfaction that comes with that, which breeds apathy yeah. or complacency in terms right. of getting outside the walls. So you have to bring a stark picture of the reality of things and then provide the path to, to, to reach that. Yeah. And we, we here's, I, well, I probably shouldn't say how we did that because I'm about to work somebody to death, but we downloaded a sheet, uh, you know, an XLS sheet from, uh, a CSV file from our membership data by family and with addresses. And I sent it to the Georgia Baptist convention and Tom Kreitz and said, Hey, can you put a pin on a map for where every person lives? And he did. And it's eye opening when yeah. you realize, I believe you can do that in Google. I believe if you have your spreadsheet, probably you can do that without having to bother anybody. Uh, <laughs> so hopefully, th- th- hopefully there's a way to do that. I yeah. Believe. But it works great because it shows you the density of where your church lives and by the way, your church may not be in the center of that. And so it lets me know, oh, we may want to explore even a campus option in this area or in this area where we have some members that are driving maybe a little too far. Uh, you know, they could be assimilated and put to work better closer to home. Uh, and so that's one idea, Robbie, is, you know, put it on a map, figure out where the members live. And, uh, you know, start moving church to them instead of having it all come to you. And it gives you more of that regional approach uh, to ministry beyond just Danielsville, because you're close enough to Athens. You could reach into Athens even uh, if you have. Members and and we've thought direction. about that. There are while there are a couple of uh, growing churches in Athens, there's not really um, a Southern Baptist church necessarily that's. Uh, experiencing great growth right now mm-hmm. and so we've we've asked the question should we be more strategically targeting athens whether it be an eventual church plant or uh to just somehow communicate into athens that uh what our vision is here at trinity and what's going on yeah hey just kind of final question that we want to spend a little time on 
if I were to say to you, um, Robbie, he, I mean, we want to give you a magic key to double your baptisms in a year. You know, we want to see you go from um, 30 to 60 to 75 to 80 baptisms in a year. Uh, where, how would you, what's the magic key in your mind? What's the magic button in your mind? You know, that, um, I mean, if we could just do this at our church, we could double, you know, t- to see 60 people baptized, you're going to see 120 people come to faith in Christ, uh, you know, around that number, maybe a hundred, you know, what, what in your mind, what would take you to that next level? Uh, I think that seeing our worship services become more evangelistic, that's actually, we do not see many decisions made at all on Sunday mornings. And I don't know, you know, that's uh, maybe my heart as a uh, pastor. I'm a pastor teacher. I teach and equip people how to reach their homes, their communities. And so we have people bring those who made a decision for Christ to church and that's exciting, but we don't have as many uh, people actually make decisions while in worship at church. Yeah, and so you, I think you hit on something that a lot of guys resonate with that. Um, we discovered among our top evangelistic churches around the nation in Southern Baptist Convention that without a doubt, a gathering on mission is what we call it, um, was an, an important emphasis among these churches. As a matter of fact, they told us uh, it just in an open dialogue box on a research project, what's the most evangelistic thing you do without, I mean, overwhelmingly, it was Sunday morning, Sunday morning, Sunday morning, Sunday morning. And so here, here's what we saw, because I think a lot of pastors, Robbie, are going to resonate with what you just said, that we're more pastor teachers then we are flaming evangel- evangelists to, to, to pull a name out. He's still alive, but from yesteryear, uh, a Bailey Smith, who was baptizing 2,000 people in Oklahoma back in the day, but was a flaming gospel evangelist. Most of us are not that. We fall into that pastor teacher. So how do you make Sunday morning specifically evangelistic? And Scott, we, we talk about that all the time, about leveraging Sunday morning for evangelism, uh, it starts with uh, we saw these churches expecting two things, God and guest on Sundays. And when they expect God and guest, it changes um, how they approach Sunday mornings and the evangelistic atmosphere of the church, doesn't it? So, so let me let me ask you a few just diagnostic questions. How, how many Sundays out of the year when you preach do you include a gospel presentation and invitation? I always, uh, before I preach, um, part of my sermon preparation is, it goes back to, I guess, some mentors in my life who said, it makes sure there's gospel content. So I do go back and ask the question, all right, where in this message have I made that beeline to the cross? Where have I shared the gospel? Um, you know, at the same time, the invitation is always open for people to respond to the gospel. But it's not. Um, but but the sermon itself, you know, eighty percent of the content might have been equipping the saints, not evangelizing the sinner. So so, if if I hear the gospel in your message and I'm a visitor, what what are the ways I can respond to let you know that I've received the gospel? 
Uh, of course, there's the we we still do um, an open altar invitation. They could come share with me or a staff member who's available at that point. And then um, we do have a guest card that's in every bulletin. Guest members, anyone can can sign a card and drop that in the offering plate. At the we receive the offering at the end of the service, but we tell our guests that the only thing they're expected to put in there is that card. So you know, but people could respond by dropping a card. Uh, saying, hey, c- please contact me because I made a decision for Christ today. Um, those are the two primary ways they could let us know. Okay. How how, do you, how confidently would you say you're, you're giving a clear call to action for those that might have received Christ and didn't respond that they can, you know, specifically you want to know that they made their decision and that you, they need to indicate that on a card? Uh, I think we could certainly do a better job at that. Okay. Okay, so so that would be one thing uh, because I think in in the as a culture shifting, the public invitation is not as effective as it used to be. Obviously, there's a biblical mandate to publicly profess Christ. None of us are going to water that down. We understand that, but at the same time, it's it's almost we're in much more of a baby step culture. Yeah, and yeah. so the the next baby step may be the indication on that card, and. Uh, it's going to be often contingent upon how strong your call is to, to do that, you know, as you've mentioned. So uh, that would be that would be a next step that may, you know, may may see some help you see some more results on Sunday. Yeah, and I would say this too. A couple things about that: the the biblical mandate to publicly profess Christ is done at baptism, and we we sometimes confuse that with well, you've got to walk down an aisle in front of hundreds of people. And you don't do that in any area of life. Nobody walks, gets, stands in front of hundreds of people and they are terrified about what you might do with them up there. Now I'm all for it. I give a come down invitation every Sunday too. I'm all for it. I just don't think that can be our only modality is come forward. I think your card idea, Robbie, is great. The one drawback with just putting a card in a, you know, in the back seat, in the back of the pew or whatever is a, and I'll just use church words here, a sinner having to reach up and take the card in front of everybody on their row is akin to having to walk down an aisle. So what what I like for people to do is everybody in the room already has the card in their hand from the beginning of the service. So you don't have to be obvious about digging for a card somewhere along the way. I want church members to have a card in their hand. Another thing to include possibly would be, um, and maybe not every time, but a lot of times we're asking unregenerate people to respond to something that's very difficult where they're not even in spirit and power to do that. And so what I'm saying is uh, there is a case to be made with leading folks in the sinner's prayer in their seats. Now, uh, I know notwithstanding all the controversy around the sinner's prayer, but we help people understand, you know, as we lead them that there's nothing magical about this prayer. This might be a simple expression of a heart that wants to receive Christ. It might go something like this, and then we lead them in that. And, of course, people are praying that in their seats. And so then on the other side of that uh, conversion point where they've literally given their heart to Christ, then we're asking for certain commitments that they're Mm -hmm. now empowered to make that maybe they not – maybe would not be empowered before. And so, um, you know, I'm for the inclusion of saying the prayer before the invitation is given per se. Um, 
and giving their hearts to Christ because theologically I believe that there is something that, that is definitive that happens that, that yeah. allows them to respond uh, more eagerly and sincerely and even in a more empowered way than, than otherwise would, would be the case. So, so yeah. that's something else to consider there that may help. Yeah, and just one of the things in closing we're seeing around the nation that is in highly evangelistic churches, Robbie, that's really effective is a next step station where, where when the service is dismissed, there is a station set up with the words next steps out in the foyer someplace. And it's not necessarily the pastor manning it. It's staff members or even, you know, spiritual volunteers. Basically, decision counselors are working next step station. And a pastor will say, hey, there's only three reasons to go there. You want to be baptized, you want to join our church, or you need to find out how to become a Christian. And uh, we're finding people are going backwards as much as they're coming frontwards uh, and praying with people at a next step station because it's, it's just removing barriers. And look, uh, we, we want to make it easy for them to trust Christ. You know, we will make it easy for you to receive Christ. And a lot of people have questions and they don't know when the song's going to going to end, you know, coming forward. And so it's a little easier to say, hey, I want to take my time and go out to the next step station. And we're seeing radical uh, success with that around the nation. I, I want to say something because I know that <laughs> there are some listening that already have objections. Whoa, what do you mean you want to make it easy for people to mm-hmm. receive Christ and the verses about count the cost and all that? Uh, yes, yes, and yes. Okay, we understand that. What 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 we're saying is we're not watering down the gospel at all. We're still calling on repentance of sin from sin, giving your life to Christ, understanding salvation includes lordship, all that. But adding another step or adding another literal uh, a, f- a physical area to engage around the decision or get questions answered related to the decision is what Joel's talking about. And so adding that third dimension uh, to the to the, to the response area. Uh, often is the the one thing that that one person needs that couldn't respond yeah. in one of the other ways. Some people will eject, but here, here's here's the way to look at it. I think what's the difference between leading somebody to Christ at a next step station and me knocking on their door and leading them to Christ in their living room? Sure. It's my living room or their living room. Either way, you can come to faith in Christ. Uh, you, you know, in either place, and um, there are enough spiritual b- barriers the enemy puts up. The church doesn't need to put up barriers. Um, cause we, we know just in this day and age, man, people just don't, they, they don't want to stand in social media has almost withdrawn the culture some. So, and I would say most of our decisions for Christ here at Trinity are in homes where, again, where we've equipped parents to lead their children to faith in Christ. And then the, um, uh, maybe in an Awana ministry on a Wednesday mm-hmm. night, but it's, it's in a small group or family and it, it's in a much more intimate context and so, I, you know, I certainly don't have a problem with, you know, not necessarily being a come forward moment because if a church is running 30 or 40, it's a little bit easier for someone to come and, and stand right. before that intimate group than it is once the church is two or 300. That's right. It just becomes, for some people, it's just uh, impossible. Hey, hey, Robbie, thanks for being on the call today. Man, the, your, your successes will help other guys. Your uh Challenges will help other guys. Uh, there are thousands of people are uh, like you around the nation who who kind of going through the same thing you're going through. So thanks for being willing to open up and uh, share a little bit today. Absolutely, glad to do it.